begin in the name of Allah, and I praise Him, and I thank Him, and I seek refuge in Allah, and ask Him that I be guided to say those things which are pleasing to Him. What is this religion called Islam? Where did it come from? What's it really all about? And so that's the reason I'm here today, really to hopefully make a presentation about Islam as a continuation, actually, of the monotheistic faith. The three largest faiths that are called monotheists are Judaism, the Christian religion, and then Islam as a religion or way of life. And I'd like to begin, um, first of all, by mentioning what I'm saying is from the perspective of a Muslim. So if you don't agree with what I say, it doesn't mean that you're wrong or I'm wrong. It just means this is the perspective. Let's begin, first of all, by saying that all of these three faiths that I mentioned believe that there is one God. So this is important. This is a common denominator that we can draw on for dialoguing and cooperating together and understanding. The second thing that we would agree on, that this one God created all the heavens and the earth in six days. Another common denominator. Likewise, on the seventh day, he stopped creating. And according to the Bible, he rested. And according to the Quran, he didn't rest, but rather he rose over his throne and positioned himself. You might say, well, what's the difference? Well, because also in the Quran, it very clearly states he never rests. So this would be a contradiction. So he doesn't rest. So now we found a difference. Not a big one, but there's a difference. We'll move forward. What are some of the other things where we would say that these three great religions have similarities? The first human created, according to all three of these religions, is named Adam. Not even a difference in the pronunciation. It's the same, Adam. Whether you're Hebrew, or if you're Christian, or if you're Muslim, you will call the first human being Adam. His wife, his mate, is created from his side. Same. We have another point of agreement. From a bone. Same. Again, another point of agreement. But her name is Hawa. Well, according to the Bible, it's Eve. So we found a difference. I wouldn't think that's a major difference, though, would you? I don't think so. But we should note that there's, here's a difference. Let's look forward now. What, what happens? Adam is in the paradise and with his wife, Eve, Hawa. And he's told that he can have anything there. But there's one thing, there's one fruit that he must, must not take from this fruit. Can't eat that one thing. And the devil tempts them and Hawa, Eve, eats the fruit. And then Adam eats the fruit. Now, the difference, it sounded the same, right? The difference here is that according to Islam, Hawa eats the fruit, and then Adam eats the fruit. But no connection. It's not her fault that he ate it. Small point, but still, this is the groundwork. It can make a big difference later. When you start building a building, when you have a little difference in the foundation, when you get further up the line, you can find some differences that are very impressive in difference. Let's start with this one right here so you can see where I'm going. If we accept that Hawa, Eve, influences Adam and makes him do this, then she can become the source of his problem. So you can always point back to her and say, you know, everything is started with women. If it hadn't been for the fault of the women, and so this is how a woman, suddenly a woman gets the lower position by saying that she started it. She's the cause of it. Let's blame her for it. Now we see sin happens, and Eve and Adam are put out of the paradise, and they're in this place we call the earth. And Arabic is Ard. Very close to the same word. Ard and earth. So we won't even bother about that. 
and they're having somebody with them that they can't really see, and it's the devil. Okay? All three religions agreeing on this thing. Let's talk about this devil for a minute. According to the Christian tradition, his name is Lucifer. But according to Islam, his name is Iblis. There's no big deal. Same guy. Bad guy. Really bad guy. And he wants to take all of the human beings with him to hell. Now, to help you relate to this, I know some Christians are more knowledgeable perhaps than others. I used to teach Christianity to a certain extent. So I will mention to you, if you look in the book of Job, you will find the story there about uh, the devil going back and forth from the earth to the heaven and he's reporting back to God and talking to God and he's having these bad feelings toward the human being, especially Job. He's, and by the way, this happens to be one of the prophets in Islam, only his name is Ayub, Ayub, instead of Job. Small difference. Same story, though, that the devil is going to try to tempt him to get him to say something against God. So he has to lose his family and his property and his position and his wealth. Finally, he loses his health and he's very, very ill and sick. And people come to him and try to get him to say that he committed some sin. And that's why he's having this problem. And he doesn't ever curse God because he knows that uh, all of this is a test from God. And so the devil is not successful and Job gets all his goodies back and more. And he gets a bigger family back. The same story. Same story. Let's talk about another prophet. How about Eunice? Okay, I started with the Arabic on this one first, to be fair to the Muslim. So who is Eunice? Jonah. Jonah in Nineveh. Okay, the only difference here is Nineveh. And if you live there, some people did call it Nineveh and some called it Nineveh. So this is not a problem because just as if you know anything about Germany, they have a Volkswagen and when it gets over here it becomes a Volkswagen. So when we call it a VW, I'm sure they call it a WV. <laughs> the point here is that a, a small difference, but it's it's no big difference. So this prophet, Jonah, Eunice, is sent to his people to call them to the belief in monotheism and to obey God and to stop sinning and so on. But what happens? He leads, He leaves his people, he abandons them, and when he goes off, he winds up in the water, and the whale gets him and takes him down to the bottom of the water. Same story. The only difference is, in Islam, we know in the Quran, it tells us, what he said that caused Allah to make the whale spit him up so he could go back to his people. That's the only thing you're missing in the Judaism and Christianity. Don't know what he actually said. According to the Quran, he said, La ilaha illa anti subhanaka in After the three days and three nights in the whale, he realized that everything was really in this test that he's in was his own fault. And so he accepts this blame and he says, Oh God, all the praise is due to you. There's no God to worship but you. All the praise is due to you. And really, I have wronged myself. And this places the blame squarely on the shoulders of the person doing the action. Meaning he said, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. And so, God, Allah, and by the way, this is a difference here. We're saying God and, and Allah. He causes this whale to spit him out. When he gets back to his people, according to Islam, he finds that they have already repented, all of them, 100%, without him. Meaning that God can make people repent and that you, whether you call them or don't call them, it's not the point. That's not the point because God can guide or misguide up to him. But he asks you to do something. If you do it, okay. If you don't, well, you're in trouble. So the people became in the service of God. I use that term, but in Arabic, that would be Islam, the one who is in the service of God. The one who submits to God, he surrenders to God, obeys God, 
in the best of his ability and sincerity, and he does it in peace. So this is how you would explain that action or that verb of submission, and you would say he islams. So he's an islam-er. Well, in the English language, we use a suffix, er, for most of our verbs to show the one performing the verb. I'm speaking, so I'm a speak-er. If I run, I'm a run-er. And considering my age and my weight, I think I'll be a walk-er. <laughs> so we put a suffix, er. But in the Arabic language, you use the prefix, mu. The same way we use the suffix er. So if you have a verb, let's take one. The word safari in English comes from the Arabic word suffer. Suffer means to travel. So the one who suffers, not suffer, <laughs> although sometimes you suffer when you travel, but the one who suffers would be in Arabic a what? Mu suffer. Got it? Mu suffer. Okay. Okay, got it. Is that easy? Want to do another one? Okay. Inshallah, I'm going to give you another one. We have something called the call to prayer. It's called the azan. Azan. And somebody who does it, and I'll show you what it sounds like, more or less. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. This is the call to prayer. And the one who does it would be a call er in English or a azan. Er, mu, azin, muazin, muazin. So if somebody islams, he's a mu, not a Muslim, okay? Not a Muslim. He's a Muslim. Muslim. If we put a little bit of uh, education with it, a little bit of humor with it, it makes the medicine go down a lot easier, doesn't it? So we can understand more and share a lot more with it. So now let's move forward a little bit to look at these religions again. And there's a, a prophet called Ibrahim. Can we guess who that is? Yeah, it's not a, it's not a surprise, is it? Now he has this, he becomes very old. He's a very good man. He's very close to Allah, God. And he has a son in his very old age. He's very, very happy about this. Because he's very, very old. He's like 90 years old. And he thinks he'll never have a son and he has a son. And he calls his son Ismail. I wonder who that is. Ismail. Then he has another son, and his name is Ishaq. Ishaq. Isaac. Ishaq. Isaac. It's starting to make some sense. From Abraham come these two, and from them come generations. Each is promised generations, and each of them have nations that come from them. One have the Hebrew nations, which is Ishaq. The other one have the Arab nations, which is Ismail. Now, Ishaq has a son, Yaqub. Jacob, if you're wondering why these are so similar and yet a little bit different, notice that the difference is always the same. Ayu, Job. Yaqub, Jacob. Yusuf, that's my name, Yusuf. Joseph. You know what it's called? It's called Latinizing, to put a J in the place of a Y. Jose comes from Yusuf. Jose and Yusuf mean what? Joseph. So this is just because of this placement of a different uh, consonant in front of the word. Same, same meaning. There's no difference. So that helps us to get in line a lot better with where we're going with this. Next is from Jacob. He gets a name change. What's his name after, his, after he becomes a full-blown prophet? Israel. 
Jacob is Israel. The Asbat of Israel, the offspring. The Asbat or the tribes of Israel. We're getting some more understanding that it looks like these are very much in line here, at least up to this point. So actually, when we say things from like names like Abraham, that isn't the way he pronounced his name. Because that wasn't in existence even a thousand years ago. And you may wonder about this, but I'll help you with it. A lot of what we pronounce in English today isn't even how people pronounced English a thousand years ago. Did you know that? Yes, because in the year 1066 A.D., the Normans invaded the Saxons. And when they did, they totally replaced their language and called it Anglican language or English language. That's how it came. So prior to that, there was no real English as we know it today. So it would be smart for us to go back and see how did people pronounce those things. If it's known, then we could use that and it would help us, especially in communication with other people. For instance, do you know that in the Arab countries, for instance, Egypt, there are Christians. They are Arabs and they are Christians. And they've been pronouncing the name of God for 2,000 years the exact same way. Alif is ah. Make the sound ah. Okay, two L's, lala, and ha, Allah. Allah. That's easy, isn't it? And I looked in the Arabic Bible, because the Bible is in Arabic. How many of you knew that there's an Arabic Bible? Very old. Arabic Bible. I have two of them, by the way. Very nice. And on the page one, you'll find 17 verses. And they're numbered in Arabic numbers. And also, I counted. How many times did I see this word? Alif, Lam, Lam, Ha. I counted it. 17 times on that page, Allah. So, let's give proper credibility to this name. It's been used longer and by more people than the word God. Because the word God didn't exist a thousand years ago. So even Jesus, peace be upon him, never called Allah God. Because none of the prophets did. Because that wasn't a known word at that time. This helps us to digest that a little bit better when we hear people say Allah. And we don't take this position of, why don't you call him God? That's his name. Well, it is for you. And we accept that. That's what you choose. And there's no problem with that. But understand that actually these people have more evidence for what they're doing than we do in the West. I recall back ten years ago when I was trying to convert. I used to preach Christianity, okay? So if sometimes I sound a little bit like a Baptist preacher. You can excuse that. But uh, ten years ago when I was trying to convert one of the Egyptian Muslims to be a Christian, I remember thinking, he's got all the words wrong. And I really need to save him. I need to help him. And I recall I asked him, I said, do you know God? Who is God? He said, yeah. So you believe in God? He's one God? He said, yeah. So, oh, boy, that's good already. I thought they believed in a black box in the desert or something. You know? And then I asked him, I said, uh, well, what about Adam? You, you know about Adam? He said, oh, yeah. I said, about Eve? He said, yeah. He's willing to accept these translated words. Okay. And I begin to tell him about Abraham. Now, what about Abraham? And what about Ishmael? Do you know about Ishmael? Because if you don't know about Ishmael... Because I'm going to tell him all about how the Arabs actually came about and everything. It was over a year later, after I came into Islam and everything, that I heard him speaking. He's very, very knowledgeable in Islam and very humble person. You wouldn't believe to talk to him, but he has a lot of knowledge. And I came to know that he can trace his genealogy back to his grandfathers who came to Egypt from Spain when Spain was still Muslim uh, many, many years ago. 600 years ago, Spain was controlled by Muslims. And there's a famous scholar named Medellin who was his grand, 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 bunch of grands father. And it so happens that his, his 
this person, Medin, was also very, very famous, and he could trace his genealogy back to the daughter of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and this daughter is named Fatima. Her husband is Ali, and Ali can trace his genealogy all the way straight back to Ismail. Ismail. And Ismail, of course, we all know he's the son of Abraham, and you can trace his genealogy right back to Adam. So I'm talking to a man who can trace his genealogy to Adam, and I'm saying, do you believe in Adam? And he didn't laugh in my face or anything. He didn't say it. He never told me. He never said anything about it. All the time I'm going to educate you, you ignorant bunch of Arabs, about, you know, Christianity. When I'm talking to a man who is a cousin to the Jews, therefore he's also a cousin to Christ. Peace be upon him. But I didn't know. But guess what? Most of us, we don't know. What we know is being spooned out to us, either through the news or, you know, preachers who say things. And, and to be fair, a lot of people don't know. So they guess. Or they make something up. And then some people do know. And they have a hidden agenda. And they want to present something else. For their own gain. Maybe not too many people like that. But even one is too many for me. In any case, back to our looking and viewing these religions. And seeing how it flows. What is this flow of religion? Each time a prophet comes. They bring a message. The message is. Worship your God. Your Lord and your Savior as one. Turn to him in repentance for your sins. Only praise him, only thank him, and when you die, if you were sincere, then his grace, his mercy, will intercede for you so that you can enter paradise. And then each of them would mention about the Antichrist who would come in the very end. They would always predict the prophet to come after them, and then the very end was the Antichrist who would come. Finally, the last and final of all the prophets who would come, and this would be, the last one to be on earth would be Jesus. But the last one to bring the message would be in between him, which would be Muhammad. Now, this might sound a little strange to you to think about this, but look. If you said Jesus will be the Christ mentioned in Isaiah, the Muslim will say, yes, absolutely. We don't have a problem with that, because Christ is a word from Greek, Christos, and it's a translation of the word Messiah. Now, how many Muslims do we have here today? If you raise your hand, maybe half, okay. So if I ask you, do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? What will you say? Yeah, doesn't it say that in the Quran? And Messiah is obviously the same word as Messiah. We won't even worry about how to spell it or how to pronounce it. It's the same word. And it comes from the word which means anointed or wipe. Messiah. When you do this, that's wiping or anointing, choosing. And so would we all agree that Jesus is the Messiah? Yes. Therefore, he has to be the Christ, because all that is Greek word, Koine Greek. So the Muslim believes in Jesus as the chosen one, the Christ, the anointed, who fulfilled the scripture, who is with God now, and who will return with God, from God, in the end, and be on the earth, and lead the true believers in the battle against the evil one, the Dajjal, in Arabic language, Al-Messiah Dijal or the false Christ. So far we sound pretty much alike, huh? There is this similarity in the religion. Understand that it, with each prophet, they brought the message and they were clear to tell this to the people. Some of them had a few followers, some had many, some had a whole lot. But every one of the prophets who came suffered. Because when you carry this message, this message of the oneness or the monotheism of God. You suffer. The reason 
because you're going to be highly rewarded in the next life. And nobody gets anything for nothing. Paradise is wonderful, but it's not cheap. So this is why you can go back and look through some of the stories of the prophets and see the difficulties that they had to endure. And again, this is all three of the monotheistic religions agree on these points. And basically, I'm emphasizing more the agreement than the disagreement area. Because most of the people can quickly tell you where we disagree. But I feel like that that's an area that if you focus only on where you disagree, it sounds like you're looking for a fight. And I don't think that's a smart thing for us to do. I think what we really all need to do is to see where our common ground is and then focus on what we can do as human beings to work together to resolve some of the problems we have today. And, well, I will agree with you that there are some issues that people might say are major between Islam and Christianity. I will caution you and remind you that there are a lot more differences between Christianity and Judaism than there are between Islam and Christianity. Now the negative part of my talk, which should last less than three to five minutes. So if you want to click off right here, you can. But this, I need to say, that in Christianity, you have some very, very beautiful people. But sometimes they become misguided by certain people. And I won't say who, but look at this. If you said, well, the Jewish is closer to the Christian than the Muslim or Islam, now I'll ask you, which religion believes that Jesus is the Christ? Judaism accepts that or not? They don't. But Islam does. Oops. Which religion accepts it the miracle birth? Islam and Christianity. Immaculate conception? Islam and Christianity. Jesus did miracles from the birth? Even the Christians don't have this. We have in the Quran, he did miracles at birth. At birth, he was speaking. Yes, he cured the leper. And yes, he cured the blind so he could see. And brought the dead back to life. Remember Lazarus? By the way, Lazarus still died later. Do you know that? So why did he bring him back to life? It was to prove who he was. It wasn't that he was trying to save a human. Otherwise, he would have saved all other people who would still be alive today. But that wasn't the point. He was showing you that he was the Christ. As a Muslim, we have to believe all of this. If we don't accept that he brought him back to life, we become a disbeliever instantly. Why? Because our Quran tells us this. But it says the same thing that the Bible says. I have several Bibles. In fact, I think I have 16 different versions. And all of them mentioned that what Jesus did, he did by by the permission or the will of Almighty God. So if we understand this, then we can see that it looks like the Islam is a lot closer to the Christianity than Judaism. Now, off my negative subject. And you say, well, why is that negative? Well... Because some people might say, well, you're trying to make trouble between Christians and Jews. I'm not. What I'm trying to do is mend some fences with the Muslims and the Christians. As far as the Jews and us, we go back a long way. The Jews understand Islam far better than you think. And we understand them far better than you think. If you study catechism, you know that Catholic comes from what? A meaning of unity or universal. It means the universal religion. It is the name of the religion held by the Roman Empire. That's what they used to call their religion before they were Christians. I mention this because some people think that Jesus was a Catholic. Well, it wouldn't be possible because Catholic religion existed at his time, and it wasn't what he was teaching. It became that later. It became that in the year 325 at the Nicaea Council. At the Nicaea Council... Then the Roman Empire accepted this as a state religion. And they brought along with it most of 
the teachings of Christianity, but also some of the things from the Roman Empire, which had nothing to do with Christianity. For instance, that's when the day of worship was changed from Saturday to Sunday. And the excuse they gave was, well, the Lord raised up on the first day of the week. So they changed it from the seventh to the first. Now, how many of you know how to say seven in the Arabic language? Arabic language. How do you say seven? Sabbath. How many of you know how to say seven in the Hebrew language? Sabbath. Again, Sabbath, Sabbath. Same word. It's seven, the seventh day of the week. And it tells us, remember the seventh and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The Saturday. But in 325, this became changed to be Sunday. Do you suppose there could be a relevance here to the fact that Constantine, who was the emperor at that time, was also in a cult called Saul Invictus. He was the head of the cult and believed to be the son of Saul. Saul means the son. Invictus means invincible. They were sun worshippers. So it was logical for them to worship on Sunday. Some of the other changes that came along with this was the Feast of Ishtar. The Feast of Ishtar in the spring or the fertility goddess. And that's when they always had the rabbits and the eggs. What is this? Easter. Wow. And how about December the 25th? Was Jesus born on this day? No, who was born that day? Julius Caesar. Oh, yeah. And guess what else? Probably he really wasn't. But they said that. You know why? Because he represented the new year coming in. He was the new God coming in because that was the shortest day of the year. So they celebrated that. They also celebrated the longest month of the year with the most sunlight in it as being Julius month. What month is that? July. And when his son Augustus wanted a month named after him, guess what month it was? How many days used to be in August before he did that? 30. But now it has 31. February used to have 29 days in it. But they took one of the days out of February and put it into August so that he could have the same number of daylight hours as his father had. Very important to them because remember they worship the sun. These little things, these, you say these are small details, who cares? Well, if you understand where some of these differences come from, and if I told you, you know, we would like to get along, but uh, I would like you to leave off things that don't really apply to what Jesus taught. And if you said, okay, I want to do that, then that would be one of the things. You can't celebrate Easter anymore. And if you told me, okay, but Yusuf, I want you also to do the same thing. I don't want you to, to be coming up with something that comes out of star worship or something that comes out of animal worship or something like that comes out of uh, tree worship, nature worship, things like that. And that would be fair. And you should call me away from any false worship and I should call you away from the same thing. Isn't that true? So we should call each other to the worship of the one God because he tells us in the Quran that we shouldn't have any partners with God. We should not worship any God beside him. I'm paraphrasing that that way on, on purpose for a reason. What did that sound like, what I said? Thou shalt not have any other gods beside me. Who's talking here? God. This is the number one point in Islam. If you do this, you can be forgiven for so much more. Because he tells us in the Quran, I never forgive anybody set up partners with me in worship. But anything less than that can be forgiven. We as Muslims know that we have a good chance to go to hell. Many of the other religions don't accept that. They say you're in our religion, you're going to paradise. But we know as Muslims we can go to hell. 
But that by the mercy of God, after a while, we can be forgiven and be let out. So far, I heard one number of 400,000 years, and that's really scary. I hope I don't wind up being in there even for one second. But still, this is understanding something that in Catholicism is called purgatory. We don't have purgatory, but we do have a time that a person could wind up in hell for his awful deeds. Provided what? Provided he never set up partners for the law. Now, you might say, well, that's pretty easy. I just won't ever do anything and worship, but I'll go out here and be a rotten scumbag and I'll get away with murder and everything else and even acts of terrorism. But guess what? Some of those acts also constitute making a partner with God. Some of the things that you could do could constitute that same thing, therefore winding you up in hell anyway. So this is very dangerous. And for a, and for a Muslim, and I heard some Muslims talk like this, you know, God's most gracious, he's most merciful, he'll forgive me. Well, I heard Christians say the same thing. And the Muslims quote a part of the Quran which said, Inna laha rahim. For sure, Allah, he is the forgiver and he is the merciful. And I asked them, would you please finish the rest of the ayah? Say the rest of the verse. They said, I don't know, I didn't memorize the Quran. I said, let me help you. Washadid al-Iqab. Which means what? Severe in punishment. That's why you didn't want to finish saying it. So we have to tell the truth as a Muslim. We're responsible always to tell the truth. Now this brings us to my closing comment that I'll make. And you can see that I could go on and on and on about this. And in fact, on some of my tapes, I have done that. But in the interest of time, and I want to have some time for question and answer, I want to close up with this little thought. In some religions and some beliefs and philosophies, it's considered all right to rationalize and say that the end justifies the means. What does that actually mean in plain English? It means I can do whatever I want as long as I accomplish the goal. We would all agree that building a hospital is a very good thing. But if we robbed a bank to do it, that's called in justifying the means. It's not acceptable in Islam whatsoever. A person cannot rob somebody to give money to the church. Nor can they rob the church to give money to somebody. These are, these are not acceptable terms. According to Islamic law, Robin Hood is not a hero this would not be somebody to look up to and admire and say, what a wonderful thing he did. The Muslim is taught, now listen carefully to this, the Muslim is taught to endure because we are taught that in Allah ma'asabarin, that Allah is with those who are patient. Our prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, suffered a terrible, terrible, terrible experience for 13 years at the hands of his own relatives, cousins, and uncles in Mecca. They did horrible things to him and to his followers. Some of them they killed. Some of them they skinned them. Some of them they threw them in the sand and, and burned them, put rocks on them and everything to get them to go back to being pagan worshippers and idolaters. They suffered for 13 years, but they were ordered, be patient, be patient. And if anybody even said anything or complained, even the prophet, peace be upon him, would get mad at them and tell them, where is your patience? Don't you know the people before us suffered more than we have? Then Allah tells us in the Quran, in chapter 29, this is called Surah Al-Ankabut, the chapter about the spider, Ankabut. Read chapter 29, verse 2 and 3. More or less the translation to English says, Do they think they will be left alone? I'm saying we believe, and that they will not be tested. For sure Allah will test them, as he tested those before, to show the truthful of those that are true, and to show the liars in their falsehood. So for sure, Muslims are commanded to be patient. When Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was sitting with his companion, Abu Bakr, his friend, and they were sitting there, 
A man came up behind him and he began to curse Abu Bakr and cursed him and said things against his family and against him and against, you know, so and so. And he was patient and he sat there until, until the man said something against Muhammad, peace be upon him. He said something bad on Muhammad or against Islam, something like this. And when he did, Abu Bakr oh, jumped up, you know, and as soon as he jumped up, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, got up and walked away. Abu Bakr ran after him. Forget this guy. He ran after the Prophet. He said, what happened? Why'd you leave? He said, as long as you were being patient, there was an angel standing behind you saying, Abu Bakr is on the truth. Abu Bakr is on the righteousness. Abu Bakr is on the right way. I'm using these words to describe Haq. But when you stood up being aggressive, the angels left. And I never sit in circles without angels. So see the value, the virtue of being patient and steadfast and forbearing. I'll close with this statement from the Quran. Inshallah. It says that God Almighty, Allah, swears by the passage of time that he is swearing. Now imagine this. He said, I swear by the passage of time that all the human beings are going to be in the fire of hell, except for those who come to the correct belief and do the deeds of righteousness and exhort and encourage each other and their truth, meaning the monotheism and the, the righteous way to worship. And they exhort and encourage each other to be steadfast and patient. And so my prayer is to ask God to guide all of us. And in guiding us, cause us to be patient. Amen. And now let me throw in a commercial for Islam. Islam is a complete way of life. It covers everything for you from the time you're born till the time you die. It has everything for you from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed. You don't have to follow all of it. But if you want to, it's there. Do you want to know how to be born? It's there. Do you want to know how to have a baby? Do you want to know how to, how to conceive a baby according to the way Allah wants you to do it? Of course, you have to be married, number one. But there are other things that you do also. How many religions teach you how to have sex or how not to have sex? And other religions, do they teach you how to go to the toilet? Islam covers this. Teach you how to be clean. Who knows what's the dark ages of Europe? Dark ages. Why was it called the dark ages? The black plague. People were dying. So much so that they didn't have time to bury the people. They used to put them on carts and haul the bodies off and throw them in pits and things. And even when sometimes ships would be floating out at sea and then they would dock, all the rats would run off the ship and cause infection on places they went. All of this happened at a, at a particular time in history. It's the same time that the Spanish Muslims were at their very highest in science, medicine, embryology, astronomy, and hygiene. Do you know how a Muslim washes themselves before they pray? Do you know they wash their hands three times, wash out their mouth, wash their face three times, wash their arm all the way to their elbow and their hands again three times? Then they wash their head and their ears and their feet. And that's just to pray. Every time that we come from the bathroom, we wash like this. And don't they teach us on television right now that this is a problem that's going on in our country because people go to the toilet and they go back to work at, I don't want to say McDonald's, so I won't, but some of those places and they don't wash their hands. And as a result, we get diseases. 
horrible diseases that we're getting because these people refuse to wash their hands after they go to the toilet. And the Muslim, after he uses the toilet, washes more than the surgeon who's going to perform surgery on your brain. And if the Muslim has intercourse with his wife, he then, or she, then they go to the shower and they wash everything like you can't believe. We're talking about squeaky clean. And then they do this process of evolution or wudu and they're ready to go. As we say, good to go or mia mia. 100%. So this is just one small aspect. What if I told you we know how to pray? We really know how to pray all day long, unceasingly. In the Bible, it mentions to us to pray unceasingly. And Muslims do. Although we have five times a day that we pray, we also have many times during the day that we say things that exalt God. Before we open a door, we say Bismillah. Before we open a book, we say Bismillah. When we get in a car, we say Bismillah. When we eat or drink, Bismillah. And all of that says, in the name of Almighty God. And there's more if you want to say more. You don't have to be satisfied with just Bismillah. But that's like a minimum for drinking, for eating, for sleeping, for waking up, for putting on new clothes, for looking in the mirror, all the things that you can say, and all of them to take big reward with Allah and remember Allah. Because think about it. If you're doing these things and you're thinking about God, how could you go out and do something bad? How? If you're thinking about God this much, you're getting up so early in the morning to go worship Him in a mosque, you're walking in the dark to go to a mosque, you're standing there with people who are yawning like you, and you're praying, and then you go back, and you read Quran this morning, and then you're going to go out and work today, and you pray at noon. How are you going to go rob a bank? How? And now let's go to the very end of our program, and let's just deal with this. How could you then take somebody else's airplane and take the people hostage and slash their throat and then commit suicide and drive it into a building and kill thousands of other people? If you understood my message today and could still make that kind of connection, then I pray for you and I pray for all of us that we be guided. Because more than anybody, the Muslims hate terrorism. We don't accept that. It's not our way of life. I thank everybody for your attention. And I apologize if I said anything in the wrong way. It wasn't my intention. I tried to make it, as I said, entertaining and at the same time digestible. Because I know I'm bringing a subject that a lot of people are not familiar with. You've been listening to Share Islam. Visit our internet website at shareislam.com. S-H-A-R-E-I-S-L-A-M dot com.